0: chapter 22. Verse 4 says this. On the third day, somebody say third day. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw a place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship, and we will return. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them, they walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and he said, Abba, my father. said, here am I, son. Here am I. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. so the two of them walked away together. Heavenly Father, we ask that in these moments where we can feel your presence, that you would speak to us and that we would find good news in your word and that we would find hope today. that today we would come hand in hand with our Lord and Savior Jesus and walk together. Lord, we pray this, believing that you've met us here in this place, thus making this place holy. It was just a building before. Now it is holy because you are here. And we ask that you would continue to dwell among us and that you would speak to us the rest of this time that we have. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Boy, when the Holy Spirit shows up, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. A couple days ago, I was on a website, and I was trying to purchase something on a website. And when I got to the place where you could make a purchase... It said, we have to verify whether or not you're a robot or not. And it took me to a page where I had to verify whether or not I was a robot. You've seen these tests. They're little grids. And it says things like, find for us the automobiles and click the box where you see an automobile and as you start to click the boxes where you see vehicles you see this one box that has the tire of the automobile and you have to think to yourself maybe it's only me do I click that box or not because the vehicle is in that box well let me just tell you don't click that box Don't do it, because it will then label you as a robot. And I thought for one minute, am I a robot? Am I in Elon Musk's new beginning of the world? I don't know. I was struggling, because I don't like tests. I don't know if you're like me, I don't like tests. I'm I'm not somebody who appreciates testing. When I was young and I was in school, and uh, we would have to prepare for end-of-year testing. It was the worst time of my life because I knew that I wasn't paying attention throughout the year, that I was having a lot of fun with my friends, and that I did not know what was going to be on the test. And my teacher would always say, what is going to be on the test is what we've been discussing all year long. Where does that leave me if I wasn't paying attention? All year Long. I remember at the end of my fourth grade year, we were going to have an end-of-year spelling test. I'm not proud to tell you what I'm about to tell you, but I believe in transparency as a pastor. Um, I did not know these spelling words, and I decided how, how am I going to pass this test? So I proceeded to get a piece of paper and write on this piece of paper every single word that would be on this test. And then I took an eraser and erased it, but leaving the indention of the word on the paper because my teacher was going to say, take out a fresh piece of paper and spell out these words. I cheated, Gary. I'm just going to be honest with you. I cheated. I remember one of my teachers when I was young told me, hey, you better get You better get your multiplication tables right because when you get into school next year, they're going to ask you to go up to the board and work out these fractions and these multiplication tables. And I was afraid all summer, because I am not good at math, one, and two, I don't like tests. I don't like them. And many of you are like me, not just with the tests that you face at work, or in school, but many of us, we go through tests in our lives, things that test our patience. Have you ever had your patience tested? Listen, here's a word of advice. Don't ever ask God to grow your patience, because what he'll do is he'll give you things to aggravate you, thus helping you work on your patience. Never ask God for patience. I, I don't like things that test me. I just don't like testing, and maybe you're here today and you know what it's like to go through some tests. Maybe you know what it's like to feel pressure because of the situation you're in in your life. Maybe you've been through some testing. Maybe your hope has been tested. Maybe because of the things that is happening in your family, your faith is being tested. Maybe because of the struggles that you faced your trust in God is being tested. I realize something when I'm studying for our series, The Promised Land, God will always test his people. He will always test us because in his testing, we reveal just how much we trust him. And if you're going to pursue the promises of God, if you're going to pursue what God has set out for you, for your life to experience now, because Jesus didn't die just to give you heaven. He died so that you would experience abundant life, even life here on earth. Now, I know that that's confusing to a lot of people because we think that, hey, Jesus gave us heaven That's already great. It is. It's the most miraculous thing he could ever do. But he also died so that he would secure your days here on this earth. And the Bible tells us over and over again that he has a plan for us, that he has good things for us, and that he has rewards here on earth that he wants us to reap. Rewards. Abraham, we've been studying Abraham. Last week we studied Sarah. And now we're in a place where... Abraham has seemingly gotten exactly what God has told him he would get. In chapter 11 all the way through chapter 22, we've been on this journey with Abraham as God has given him a promise. And throughout these 11 chapters, he's been working out the promise in Abraham, testing Abraham. Up until this point, Abraham has gone through seven different Crisises, seven different tests. Some scholars will say it's really 11, but they'll settle at around seven, maybe eight. Abraham was tested from the moment God gave him a promise. Tests follow. Don't be surprised if you're pursuing God's promises that tests are also included in the program. Tests will be there for you. Abraham has experienced multiple tests up until this point. He's had the family test when he was told to leave his father's house. He's had the famine test when there was a famine in the land and he decided to go to Egypt. He had the fellowship test whenever Lot chose to leave him and he lost fellowship with Lot. He also had the fight Test when he had to fight the Mesopotamian kings in chapter 12 and 13. He also had the fortune test, which we didn't even get to read about yet, but he actually turned down the wealth that was offered to him from Sodom. He turned down riches because God had something greater for him. He turned down the fortune, and now we saw in last week that he had to endure the fatherhood test, which is the issue he had with Sarah and having a barren womb. And now, now we're at his final test. The final exam, what I like to call his final faith test. And I hope that through it, you will get to find some encouragement in the moments where you feel like you're being tested. Chapter 22 of Genesis starts with this. Now, it came about after These things, you go to any seminary, any Bible college, they will tell you, you need to stop right there and determine what they are talking about in verse 1 of chapter 22. Now, it came about after these things. What things? What things is Moses, Moses wrote the book of Genesis, what is Moses trying to remind us of here in chapter 22, that right before we get to this final test, he said, after these things, well, all of the things that we talked about, the struggles, the issues, the fights, the lack of faith, we even miss the part where where God was working in him to not destroy the city of Sodom. We miss the part of of Lot's wife, who uh, she was leaving the city that she was living in. And the Bible tells us that she was so in love with her lifestyle, she could not run to the rescue that God for her. So she turned around because she did not want to lose what God was calling her out of. So she turned into a pillar of salt. We, We miss That story we miss so much, and yet he's saying, Now, after these things, after all of that, have you ever been to a place like that? I've been through so much, I've gone through a lot, I've experienced loss, I've experienced hopelessness and a level that I don't know that I can really deal with. Have you ever been to a place of feeling like God has been working on you after these things? comes another test. After these things, verse 1, God tested Abraham. Here's the good news and the bad news. There will always be tests. And here's, I don't know if that's good news. I think it's just bad news. Here's the worst news. You're never too old for a test. Abram is a 100 years old right now. And God is still, my mom and dad tell me this all the time. You're never too old. For me to yell at you. You're never too old for me to tell you what to do. Mexican parents. You're never too old. I will yell at you whenever I want. You are still my son. And listen, I just want to tell you right now. You are never too old to go through new challenges. You are never too old to face new battles. You are never too old to learn new things in the economy of God. God is testing Abraham and he he tests him and this is the way he does it in verse one now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and he said to him Abraham and he said here I am don't forget that response here I am he said take now your son which son your only son, whom you love, Isaac. Look at how specific God gets. God is very specific with Abraham. He said, hey, listen, take now your son, your only son. Now, we know he doesn't have only one son, but in the eyes of Abraham, he has only one. One son, because this son, Isaac, is the son of the promise. The promise that God made him to have nations come from him. This is the son that God promised him and miraculously provided for him through Sarah and her dead womb. In in Abraham's mind, there is only one. One son, and yet God doesn't want to get things mixed up with Abraham and have Abraham think of Ishmael when he is really asking him for Isaac. He says, Take now your son, the one. I promised you, take now your son, the one that you've been waiting for. Take now your son, your only son, your miraculous son, the one of your old age. Take the one who you love, Isaac. Take him, and I want you to go to the... I like how specific... I, gotta, I, I think that God wants to speak to you and me about some specific things. I think we we don't really like a God who wants to speak to us about specific things. We like a generality kind of God, a God that will just tell us, hey, stay away from this area of things. Stay away. Don't go over here. But we don't want to hear him say, stop getting on that website looking at those things. Stop DMing that person. Stop drinking so much that you have anger in your life. Stop doing those things. That I, I, I love that God gets specific, and he reminds us that he wants to get specific with us. Take now your son, your only son, the son who you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you. Now listen, I just I don't know if you caught that. Which I will tell you sounds an awful like Genesis chapter 11 when God tells Abram at that time before his name is changed, go to a land which I will show you. God is bookending this whole process. It started in chapter 11 and it's ending right now, Abram, in chapter 22. Go to a mountain in which I will tell you God is about to test Abram in the most critical way for the promise that God has for him. And here's what I learned about God and testing. Our faith is not really tested until God asks us to bear what seems unbearable, do what seems unreasonable, and expect what seems impossible. Our faith is never really tested until we land in this place. And although God has been testing Abram, those are just quizzes. This is the final exam coming to Abraham right here in chapter 22. And even though he has sacrificed his country when God told him to leave, Even though he sacrificed his family when God told him to leave. Even though he sacrificed his nephew and even his son Ishmael. Now God is coming after Isaac. Now God is coming after Isaac and he's telling him to go to the land of Moriah. Moriah, I love that name Moriah. That that name Moriah means God will appear. And here is what I think. Moses is trying to tell us by adding that scripture in here, that you and I, we can have hope in the midst of our testing that we will land in a place like Moriah, the place we will see God appear. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with, we can lean in on the hope that we will see God that God will appear. So then, after this instruction where God tells Abraham, it's time for you to sacrifice the thing that you've been waiting for. It's time for you to sacrifice the thing which you love most. It's time for you to sacrifice the, the miracle that I've given you, I want it back. All of the questions that could be going through Abraham's mind, because listen, God was against human sacrifice. Abraham came from a tribe that did human sacrifice, and now God is asking him to do something like this, and yet the Bible does not tell us that Abraham wavers, that he distrusts, or that he questions. What it tells us is so incredible. It says, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. I don't know if you understand what is happening here, but he is working on a burnt offering. This is an act of worship. Sacrificing something. And a burnt offering was considered the highest method of worship because you are sacrificing something. And they believed that the smoke that would leave from the sacrifice would fill God's temple and, and please him. And so here is... Abraham, he has just been told, you need to sacrifice the very thing that you love most. You need to sacrifice the thing you've been waiting for for so long. You need to sacrifice it, and the Bible says that he gets ready to worship. The Bible says that he wakes up early in the morning. to. How do you worship when you feel like God is disappointing you? How do you worship when you believe that he's failing you? How do you worship God when it feels like he is taking something from you? Listen, God, if it was me, I'd say, I don't feel like worshiping you today. Not with what you're asking me to do. And yet it says, Abraham got up. Did you see that? Underline that if you got your Bible. Abraham, it says, got up. You might say, why is that important? Why is it important that Abraham got up? He got up and it says he went to the place that God was gonna show him. Why is this important? Because Abraham was obeying without details. God said, I need you to go to the place which I will show you. It's mirroring chapter 11 and chapter 12 where God is saying, go to a place where I will show you. And on the way, as we grow more intimate As we get closer, I will reveal more of my plan for you. And I know that's not what we like these days. I know that's not what you want. You want to have all of the plan up front. And yet we see here again that God does not change the way he responds to us when it comes to direction. He will never give us the full plan because he wants us not to trust the plan. He wants us to trust him. So the Bible says that he tells him, go to the place where I will show you. Go to move even though I'm not giving you all of the details. Move and make changes even though you don't have all of the details in front of you. I'm, I will give you more details when I see you moving. I'll give you more details, Abraham, when I see you moving. Hey, listen, one of the reasons we don't see more details from God in our lives is because he can't get us to move from where we are. Faith is measured by movement. If there is no movement, I would say, where is the faith? It says he got up. He obeyed immediately. He rose early in the morning, and he went to the place which God had told him. Now the plot thickens a little bit. Verse 4, on the third day. Why does it say the third day? This is 45 miles away from Beersheba. It is a three-day journey. Three-day journey. And the Bible says that three days later, they arrive. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw The place 45 miles. That sounds like a lot of time. It sounds like a lot of time where you can fill your mind with doubt. It sounds like a lot of time where you can make up reasons why you should turn around. It sounds like a lot of time where you could come up with different excuses as to why. Can you imagine what Abraham is thinking? Isn't Isaac the son of the promise? Why would God ask me to do this? Why would God tell me to give something I love up? Why is he asking me to do this when Sarah this is the only child that Sarah has? What if I tell Sarah? What is Sarah going to do? How? Why? 3 days of being if it was you you'd you'd be wondering these same questions. And yet the Bible says that even though he was frustrated He stayed faithful. This is good news for you and me whenever you feel like you're frustrated because you don't know what to do next. This is good news for you and me whenever we hit moments in our lives when we face frustration. You can be frustrated and still be faithful. The Bible says three days later, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw the place from a distance. This is a mountain range. 45 miles, three days. How quickly do you give up? How quickly, whenever you face news that you don't like or that you weren't expecting, do you just give up on the plan that God has for you? Or are you going to be like Abram, and you get up and you walk because God told you to? The Bible says, On the third day, remember that, say it with me, third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young men, y'all stay here with the donkey. Why did Moses tell us there was a donkey? I don't know. I think I know. The Holy Spirit just told me, I think I know. Stay here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go over there and we will worship and return to you. Wait a minute now. What do you think these men are thinking? Wait a minute. We know the plan. You've told us the plan. God just told you to kill him. I know, I know. But y'all stay here. Y'all stay here. I'm going to do what God told me to do. And then me and the boy, we're going to see you after. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Abraham. I know you're 100 years old. Not everything is working correctly. But didn't God tell you to kill him? What do you mean you're coming back down? When you're called to have faith, you got to be able to speak the truth in the midst of the contradiction in the circumstance. He's saying... Even though I'm going up, I know we're coming back down. He is speaking a reality into the situation. Why? I'll tell you why. Hebrews chapter 11 says this. You need to hear it. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. The writer of the book of Hebrews says this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested... Offered up Isaac. Spoiler alert, he offers him up. And he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Do you see that language? Only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendant shall be. He's saying Isaac was the one that all the promises were going to come from, but he offered him up anyway. Why? Verse 19. Why? Because he considered. Abraham that God was able to raise people from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. He said, listen, I believe in my heart that if God has asked me to sacrifice my son, it also means that God is going to raise him up and give him right back to me. That's what he's saying. The reason Abraham is saying me and the lad will go and then we, listen, I just want to give you some Hebrew language here. The the reality is, is that when he's speaking to them in the Hebrew, they are he's using verbs that are all intensive, and these intensive verbs actually have more strength than what you're reading here. This is actually what Abraham is saying. He says, We are determined to go. We are determined to worship, and we are determined to return. What is happening here is Hebrews is showing us the mindset of Abraham. It's telling us that the reason that he said that is because he believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. He's saying, so listen, God, if I obey you and do what you told me, And at the same time, I'm still going to believe your promise because God still had a promise for Abraham. God, if I do what you tell me and kill him, but I still believe your promise, that means that you're going to do something through Isaac. That means that you're going to create a nation from him. Then I also have to believe that since you can't contradict yourself, that you must have some kind of miracle plan to bring me and the boy back again. That's what Abraham is saying. Even though it looks really bad, I'm going to stay obedient because I trust that God will work things out for me in the end. God will work a miracle out for me. Where did this kind of faith come from? I'll tell you. Didn't we just learn about Sarah? Sarah's womb, the Bible says, was dead. And Abraham, he couldn't function physically at 100 years old. So God created a miracle through them. And he saw what God could do when he raised the dead womb. So he believed that God could raise his son. When God calls us to a major testing, don't forget what he did in the quizzes. The reason Abraham is confident, the reason Abraham is saying me and my son will come down is because he remembered what God did to Sarah's womb. Because he remembered how God tested him then and came through with an answer. Whenever God calls you to a major testing of your life, don't forget what he did in the quizzes. Don't forget what he did yesterday because yesterday's troubles are just tests to prove what we have to do tomorrow. Yesterday's problems are just preparations for the things that we must face tomorrow. So listen, if the problem you're facing is bigger today than the problems you faced yesterday is because God has you moving to a greater thing that he wants you to experience. What does he want you to experience? I'll tell you what he wants you to experience, a deeper connection with him. That's ultimately what he wants. That's ultimately what he wants. He wants to completely change the way you believe you and him are connected. That is called intimacy. He wants, he doesn't just want a relationship. He's got that. You and I, we have relationship. We are sons and daughters because we believe. But are we intimate with our God? This is God wanting to connect more intimately with Abraham, and he wants to do the same thing for us. In our struggles, he wants to bring us closer to him so that we can experience him on a whole new level. So the Bible says that they made their way to the place where God had said it said Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac. Now I know why they brought the donkey. Why? They had to carry the wood. They had to carry all of that, and the only thing strong enough was a donkey. And yet now the donkey is laid in the back, and who's carrying it? Isaac. How strong is Isaac? It's pretty strong. Most scholars will say he's 25 years old. He's a big boy. He's not a child. He's strong. Don't you think it's funny that the son is being obedient to the father even though he probably knows what's going to happen? It says... He took the wood and the burnt offering, and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, don't don't miss it, Abba. It's the word he used, Abba, my father. This is a picture of Jesus. Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus when he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And he was saying, my father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. But if it's your will, I will take it on. He's saying to Abraham, Abba. Abraham responds, here I am, my son. Listen, don't miss it. It's repetition. Any Bible teacher will teach you this. Here I am. Isn't that the way Abraham responded to God? When God called him, how did Abraham respond? Here I am. Now, Isaac is calling to his father, and what does his father say? Here I am. This is a sign of intimacy, they're close. What does that tell you about God and Abraham? They're close. Let me tell you what God wants. He wants to be close to you. He wants to be close. He wants intimacy. He he responds to God the way he responds to his own son. God loves you that much that he wants that kind of intimacy because you are his son and daughter. Intimacy is what God is after. Here I am, my son, and he said, behold, uh, God, Dad, hold on, Uh, there is fire, there is wood, but there is no lamb. I see the fire, I see the wood, I don't see the sacrifice. What's going on, Dad? We've done this before. 25 years old, he knows what it is to do a burnt offering. Where is the lamb Abraham responds in verse eight. God will provide for Himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked. He said, "He said, uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer. God's going to have to fix this one. The Lord's going to who's going to have to provide it? The Lord." is going to have to provide because I don't have an answer for you. I don't know how this thing is going to work. Sometimes you got to do things afraid. Sometimes you got to do things with doubt. Sometimes you got to do things even though you don't have the answers. Sometimes you got to take steps in obedience even though you don't know how it's going to work out. Have you ever been in a place where you've said God's going to have to fix this one? Have you ever been to a place you said, God is going to have to intervene? That is exactly where God wants us, walking in a line of obedience, even though we don't have answers. said, so don't, I don't know. God is going to have to fix this. The Lord himself We'll have to provide. It's got to be God because I have no clue what to do. In the moments where you don't know what to do, keep walking. In the moments where you don't have any answers, keep being obedient. In the moments where you feel like giving up because it seems like it's too much what God is asking for you, keep trusting, keep walking. God will provide for you the way he's doing for Abram. 45 miles, three days later, verse 9, And they came to the place of which God had told him, And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound up his son Isaac. Bound him up because his son was 25 years old and he was probably afraid that he would resist him. And yet he didn't have to because I believe that Isaac is a picture of Jesus being obedient to the will of the Father. Even though it means having to die, it is a picture of Jesus I am willing to die for you. I am willing to give up myself. I am willing to die for you because I love you, because I know that my sacrifice will cleanse you. You will be forgiven, and you will find a way to eternity that could not be made without my sacrifice. God will be pleased because of it. The Bible says, and it pleased God to crush Jesus. Pleased him because it meant you could have a way to him. Here is Isaac, and the Bible says he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. I don't believe Abram was strong enough to lay his 25-year-old son. I believe he got up willingly on that, on that altar. The Bible says he... He got there onto the altar in verse 10. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Abram was going to do it. Abram was determined to make it happen, to sacrifice the very thing that God had given him, to sacrifice the very thing that God had blessed him with. He was willing to sacrifice it if it meant pursuing God's, being obedient to God's plan. He stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but, oh, I love it, but, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Oh, and God calls your name twice. Listen, it wasn't a joke. Why is God having to call his name twice? Parents, when you have to call your kid twice, Why? Why do you do it? Because they ain't listening. Because what? They're so focused on what they're doing. You're like, hey, hello. Don't miss it. Abraham was determined, he was going to do it. He was so focused that God had to call his name twice. Oh, that I would live a life of obedience in the scariest things that God asked me to do, that he would have to call my name twice because I'm so focused to do what he's asked me to do. He says, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. What a beautiful picture of intimacy. Here I am. The closeness of the relationship. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What? Now listen, I fancy myself a theologian. I love theology. I love it. I love reading these books and finding out new things about God. This is weird. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him, for now I know. Are you not, ca- Adrian, are you catching that? I don't know. Josh, do you catch that? He says, now, now, in this, in this exact moment, I know. I'm sorry. I thought God, this is a theological problem. I thought God was all knowing. I I thought the Bible told me that God is omniscient. He is all knowing. And yet it says He just now knew. Wait, God, how can you be omniscient if didn't you already know what I would do? You're God. You know yesterday and today and, 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 and you know tomorrow. So what do you mean now you know? If now you know, wait a minute, I'm, I'm confused. Because if you were just in this to find out if I would actually do it, since you are omniscient and all-knowing and you know everything, we could have just skipped this drama. Because you knew I was going to do it. Right? You knew I was going to do it. So why are you making me do something so that now you can know? God says, now I know. Why? Because I just saw what you did. How do we wrestle with this part of the passage? I hope you're geeking out over this as much as I do because this helps me apply a lot. Because it it says that here is an all-knowing God and he doesn't know something until now. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to challenge you and say that there are some things that God does not know. Oh, got quiet. God knows everything actual and potential, but he doesn't know everything experiential. God knows every, Adrian, you you got to check on this. God knows everything that is actual, every option, everything that could happen. God knows it, every actual and potential thing. But he doesn't know anything and everything that's experiential. If you were to ask God, what does it feel like to sin, I don't think he would know what it's like to do that. Am I wrong? God, what is it like to covet? I think he would say, I don't know. God, what is it like to steal? I don't know. God does not know everything. Here's, that's why Jesus came, so that he could experience everything. And so that God, right? So that he could then know what we, that's why the Bible says he's our advocate, pleading and praying for us because he knows. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry. God doesn't. Jesus does. Jesus knows what it's like to face mobs of people trying to hurt him. God doesn't. Jesus does. And yet, at the same time, God does because He is all in one, and it's the Trinity. And this is even more confusing. But here's what I'm trying to tell you. Here's what. I, here's what I need you to understand. God became man to sympathize with our weakness so that he could feel what we go through. The Father knows and Jesus feels. The Father knows, Jesus has felt it. So what then is being said in this moment? He's saying, Abraham, now I know you love me because I see it and I can, I can feel the whole experience of watching you do it. You have now given me a, see, see the the thing here is the the testing is not of Abraham's faith. The testing is of Abraham's love. Oh, man, if you got that, I think you'd be like, you'd be shouting me down. The testing here is not whether or not Abraham has faith. The testing is whether Abraham loves God more than he loves Isaac. That's, That's the testing. And listen, don't be surprised when God stops testing your faith and he starts testing your love for him. How much do you love me? Now God knows because he's experienced it. He's watched it happen. He said, now I know because I see it. God wants to see you do the thing. Action. Abraham got up. Action is what God is looking for. You have now given me the experience of the length and breadth of your love, not just your verbalization of it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Do, you, do you not see that? You can say that you love somebody over and over again, but, but if you keep treating them badly, do you love them? Okay. You can say that you love somebody, but the reality is, is verbalization and action are different things, and God is now seeing that Abraham has gone from verbalizing to actually doing it. I would go on to say this, and I think I would feel pretty confident to say that God doesn't just want to hear you say you love him. He wants to see you show him that you love him. You know what? I'll say it this way. Jesus said it. Jesus said, you love me? Keep my commandments. Jesus says, obedience is my love language. Prove to me that you love me, do what I say. Don't just say it, do what I say. He said, sacrifice the one you love because I need to know that you love me more. Now I know. Informationally, I knew. But today, now I see it. I see that you chose me over the thing that you love more than life. So here's my question, what's your Isaac? That thing that God can't have because you're too attached to it? What is that thing that God wants? Then you're saying, "Nah, uh God's saying, no, bring it. Because I need to know that you love me. He says in verse 13, now, to verse 12, now I know. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. Then, when? Then, then. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him... A ram caught in the thicket by his horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. Then Abraham raised his eyes, and looked. behold, a ram caught in the thicket. Verse 14, Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. In the Hebrew, it's Yehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. He called the place Jehovah Jireh. It's called Jehovah Jireh. Jireh is one of the great names of God. Let's talk about Jireh really quickly. We think it's only provision. It isn't solely provide. Jireh actually means to see beforehand and so then to provide. You missed it. Jireh means to see beforehand and then to provide. What we get to see as provision is solely because of God's prevision. Our provision is because of God's prevision. He pre-sees what you're going to need and what is going to be provided for you. And so what your provision is was already pre-seen by God. This is the nerdy stuff. You need to get it. Because he called the place Jirah when really it's Moriah. Right? It's the, it's the land, the mountain range of Moriah. Moriah means God will appear. Now he's saying, I'm renaming this place to God will see and provide. I love it because what he's saying is it's not about whether or not God will show up. It's whether or not God will provide. And here's what I think is the reason why you and I, we don't sacrifice, why we hold back, why we don't do what God has called us to do. It's not because you don't believe that God will show up. It's because you don't believe that God will provide. So in the place of Mariah, Abraham says, no, 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 it's about Jireh. And although you might believe that God will appear in your life, show himself up in your life, you hold back. You hold back because you don't believe he's going to provide. He says, this is Jireh. God sees before I need it, and then he provides when I need it. What your provision is, he's already seen. Think of it this way. As Abraham is going up the mountain on one side, on the other side, there is a ram going up the mountain too. God pre-sees before he provides. Are you seeing this? Okay. I'll give you a quick story. Um, A week and a half ago, I was really worried, didn't have any cash. I didn't know what I was going to do, struggling, God, what's going to happen, and praying, praying, praying. I don't know what's going to happen, and and I didn't really know that God was going to answer me, and yet something told me, go check the mail. I never check the mail because it's filled with bills. Okay, I checked the mail. There was an $8,000 check in there. Wait, hold on. $8,000 check that was delivered two weeks before. God knew what I was going to need. He pre-saw it, and it was already provided, even though I didn't know it was provided. God provided the answer to what I was looking for before I even knew I was looking for it. I just didn't see it. That's what Abraham is saying. He's saying, this is, I did not see that God would do it this way. Because I thought he would have to raise him from the dead. Remember? Abraham thought in Hebrews he's going to have to be raised from the dead. And instead, God provided a, a ram. I, I think this is crazy because this is the quietest ram in the history of rams. This ram is caught. In a th- it's caught. It's, it's, it's struggling. And yet Abraham never saw it. Neither did Isaac. You don't think Isaac was like, hey, wait, there's a There's a ram. Hold on dad, there's a ram, wait, 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 wait. hold on, he's tied up, that's what I'm trying to tell you, he's tied up. (laughs) Come on. You don't think Abraham was like trying to chase down, If, if there was a ram that was loud and fighting and trying to get loose, this is the quietest ram in the history, it isn't jerking around or trying to get free, this ram is in the vicinity Of the sacrifice. How do I know it? Because it says, Then Abraham raised his eyes up and behold, it was right there. It was right there. It was right there. He looked up, it was right there. It was so close and yet it was quiet. Sometimes God keeps the provision quiet. Sometimes the provision of God is not something you're gonna notice, it's not gonna be obvious. You're not going to see it, you're not going to hear it, but God already provided it. And sometimes we miss it because we don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. the Wonderful things that God has. The Bible says he kept the provision quiet. Those of you who are in need, maybe the provision is there. It's just quiet. It's not on Instagram. It's not on people's Facebook posts. It's not on threads, and it's not on whatever else you use on Twitter. It's quiet, and often God's provision is quiet, and it's secret. Like that check that was in my mailbox that I was unaware of its presence for weeks and weeks and weeks. God provided in the quiet. God, even though he's already seen this. For us, sometimes we miss it. Here's the question for me and you is this good? I just, I feel like I need to, okay. The question for you is when you face a trial, how do you move from God's prevision to provision? How do you move from God's prevision to his provision? I will submit to you that until Abraham was willing to complete his act of obedience, the prevision didn't become provision. Whatever God is going to do in your life, he has already pre-seen it, but you won't see it provided until you have completed what he has asked you to do. Most Christians, we're just part-time Christians. We don't... Do everything that God wants to do on a full-time basis. We do a little bit of something here, a little bit of something there, and we wonder why God hasn't come through yet. The question is, have you finished what he's asked you to do? Because if it takes you 50 years to finish it, it may take you 50 years to see his provision because it's held up in his prevision. If you delay obedience, you will delay the prevision becoming provision. So why why are you holding back from God when he asks you to do things? Why is he holding you why are you holding back when he's asking you to serve? Why are you holding back when he's asking you to give? Why are we so tight-fisted with the God who asks us to be open-handed so that he can continually give us more? Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, "By myself, this is the first and only time you will ever see in the book of Genesis where God swears by himself, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son. your own. Listen, you are withholding the blessing that God has for you, you, because you are withholding. The blessing you want, the promise you want, it's being held back because you're holding back. The this is what I'm going to do for you since you have not withheld your son, your only son. indeed, I will now greatly bless you and greatly, look at the, the, the repetition, and greatly multiply your seed as the stars of the heavens and as the sandwich on the seashore. This is God going back to the promises he made in chapter 13 and in chapter 12. And he said, remember that thing I told you, now I'm going to fulfill it. I told you about it then, but I tested you final, and now I'm going to fulfill it. You might hear a word from God that he's called you to something, that he's promised you something, but your lack of obedience has kept him from actually executing it. He said right here, now indeed I will greatly multiply you. Now indeed I will do it because you have not withheld your son, your only son, and your seed shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my my voice you are holding you back you are holding you back because you have obeyed my voice here's the good news the good news here is that Abram has had failure after failure and God just kept retesting him some of us we've been retesting and retesting and God says it's cool I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait till you pass. Because I want to give you an experience with me. You want the provision? Great. I want the experience of you sacrificing what you love for me. Give me the experience of your obedience and I'll show you what I can do with rams waiting in the thicket, waiting to move until I tell it to On this faith journey that you're in, God has the provision. Here's the good news. He provided Jesus. He is the replacement, sacrifice for you. God provided it. God provided it. That's the good news. And yet we're seeing here that God is also willing to do more for us. God is telling you, you got to learn how to sacrifice. And I know what you're saying. How am I going to make it? How am I going to do it? Let's get the band up here. Play some nice, really nice melodies behind me because I think this is going to be great. Are you ready? I think this is going to be great. You ready? All right, here we go. All right. It says that he followed through. How, though? How? Remember in verse 4 what it said? I told you to remember it. It says, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. I'm going to read that again. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. How did Abraham do it? You're asking the same question. How am I going to do it? How am I going to push through? What am I going to look to? It says, Abraham looked and he saw a place. There's a story in John chapter 8 where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he's telling them who he is, that he is God. And they're upset with him. They're so upset with him. And and this is what Jesus tells them in John chapter 8, 56 through 58. Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. I like that he says, your father, not my father. Because at this point, all the Jews know that Abraham is the father of that nation. And yet Jesus is saying, that's not my daddy. He says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it, and he was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old. And you say, you've seen Abraham. Jesus told him, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. In John chapter 8, he says, Abraham saw my day and he was glad. When did Abraham see Jesus' day? I think I know when. Genesis chapter 22, verse 4. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance Abraham saw my day, Jesus said. What day did Abraham see? Here's a geography lesson Mount Moriah is only a few hundred yards from Mount Calvary. Mount Moriah is the place where Solomon built his temple. Mount Moriah is the place where David had a vision from God. Mount Moriah is the place where Jesus was crucified. It is only a couple hundred yards away from the place where jesus died jesus said abraham saw my day and he Was glad. Verse 4: On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and he saw the place from the distance. Abraham, as he's walking to sacrifice his son, he looks up and he sees the hill which Jesus will die on. And I believe that God gave him a vision right there of the sacrifice of what Jesus would do in the future. And Abram said, Okay, now I have the strength to do what I have to do because I know that God can resurrect. I saw it when I saw Jesus die on the cross. I saw it. God gave me a vision, and I saw Jesus put on the cross, nailed his hands, nailed to his feet, taken down and buried and risen again on the third day. Abraham, on his way, saw his day. Abraham, what got Abraham through it? He focused on Jesus. He focused on Jesus, and because he was able to focus on Jesus, he was able to continue with the biggest sacrifice of his life because he had his eyes on Jesus it says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 it says looking to Jesus the author and finisher of your faith if it says this for us so that while we are on our journey to what God has for our promise keep your eyes on Jesus because if you'll focus on Jesus he'll get you up the mountain and to the place of your testing to pass that test so here's my advice to you Quit looking to people, they'll just discourage you. Quit looking to family, they'll let you down. Quit looking at circumstances. Keep your eyes on Jesus as you obey God because He'll sustain your faith until you reach the finish line of your test. Hey, when you're in doubt, look to Jesus. When you're unsure, look to Jesus. When you're tempted, look to Jesus. When you're afraid, look to Jesus. When you fail, look to Jesus. When you're frustrated and alone, look to Jesus. When you don't think you can make it anymore, look to Jesus because Abraham shows us that we're able to get through the hardest situation and testing of our life if we would just see the day. And that day, that day, is the good news of the resurrected Savior three days third day it's no coincidence if Abram if Abraham could get encouragement and Jesus hadn't even come yet how much more should we look at him now now that he's come now that he's died in our place now that he's resurrected as the ram in the thicket He died so that we didn't have to die. He died and rose again on day three so that we could have victory in the midst of any test that we have. It's our Savior. He's there in the thicket. He's got things that He wants to reveal to you. If you just trust Him, if you'd stop holding back, and if you would keep walking, in faith and in obedience to him if you want to stand don't stand today because we're praying and we're leaving stand today because you're going to keep walking stand today because you're going to keep believing stand today because you've seen the day and you're finding the strength inside of you to keep moving forward. Stand today because you have hope again. Stand today because you trust that he's able to resurrect dead things. Stand today. Come on, I'm telling you to stand. Stand if you believe it. Stand if you trust him. Stand if you believe that no matter what he's asking you to do now, he's good and he's faithful and he's got more, more for you than you can ever imagine, more than you can ever ask for, that he's good that He's generous, that He's faithful, that He's gracious, and that He's good. Why don't we just pray right now? Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for this encouragement, for this word, for what you're trying to teach us today. Lord, may we never hold back again. May we follow you with all that we have. May we trust you in the most difficult circumstances. No matter what it is that you're asking us to do, Lord, we trust you with our lives. We, We sacrifice for you, Lord. We do what you asked us to do. And Lord, we look up, we lift up our eyes and we see that place, that hill where your son died for us we look up and we see the empty tomb and we rejoice because Jesus is alive because he rose again and because of that we can have courage because of that we can keep moving forward and because of that we can have hope because of that we won't give up today Lord we won't give up just tell him I won't give up I'm not giving up I'm pushing no matter how hard it is no matter how difficult it is no matter what test I'm facing I'm trusting you Lord We're trusting you, Lord, with everything that we have. Just tell him what it is that you're trusting him with. Right there, right there, right where you're at. Just tell him. Trusting you with my family. Trusting you with my sickness. Trusting you with my health. Trusting you with my future, with my children, with their future. Lord, we trust you to provide the ram in the thicket. We trust you. Because if you did it for Abraham, you'll do it for us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together.